This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting from a safe social distance here in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Happy 420 to one and all. Sam, what are you smoking today? Weed. Yeah, green, me too, I'm smoking. Man. I'm smoking green crack. I've got some tropical cookies. Tropical cookies. My my last strain was called Chernobyl. Ooh, I've seen that on the menu. I've gotten Chernobyl before. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down to the end of a sack of uh, green crack here, and um, it's it's not bad. Uh, well, 420 couldn't come at a better time. I mean. It is on a Monday, but if 420 was ever going to be on a Monday, this is the year for it to happen, considering uh, days of the week have less meaning than they've ever had uh, in a long time, um, one. And number two, people are losing their goddamn minds right now. Um, There's uh, the camp of people who are trying to get us into a war with China who are losing their minds right now. Also, people who need to chill out are all these people who are protesting across the country mostly like small business owners and shit who uh whipped up by fox news are out there protesting to stop the the social distancing guidelines and to get states to open back up even though the number of people dying from covid19 uh is still significantly high each and every day yeah, they 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 want their states to open up so that other people can die to make them money which uh which sums it up pretty well. And got, uh and that that got, works on the small business level and it works on the uh corporate level on the on the well maybe I don't know if corporate's the right word but uh it happens it it scales up very easily in this country because essentially um people are angry at China because capitalism and corporate leaders in the United States and other industrialized countries shipped all their factories to China specifically because it had lower standards on certain things and it was cheaper for them to produce there. And now that we have uh, a problem in China, uh, it has spread all over the world because our because our economies are integrated so closely. And so we see like a, a, a public health problem in China uh, can spread everywhere because of this system that capitalism set up. But we're not pointing the finger at our corporate boardrooms and the politicians in the United States who help those, those uh, corporate leaders exploit as cheap labor as possible and as, as as low standards as possible, we're pointing the finger at China instead and being like, damn it, China, how dare you? Yeah. How how yeah. dare you let us how how dare you do that? Yeah, and from a political strategy standpoint, it's terrible as well. Uh, if you are the Joe Biden campaign and the your opponent is presiding over this fucking disaster and there's ample evidence of the administration's failures focus on that don't focus on the administration's failure to respond more aggressively to china focus on their failures here in responding 
to the pandemic once it already got here, which has been awful. I mean, we're the worst country in the world at responding to the pandemic. There's plenty of stuff you can point to from states having to bid against each other because there's been no coordination with the federal government, from uh, Trump and the mixed messages coming from the administration about uh, health guidelines throughout this, from the administration not doing anything for an entire month. Like, there's plenty of stuff you can focus on without starting to, without getting into this China baiting territory and trying to appeal to absolute fucking maniacs in our political system right now who think it's a good idea to be more confrontational with China. Yeah, and uh, what we're seeing now is that Tom Cotton is going to be relevant for the next decade or so because uh, if we're having Joe Biden running a presidential campaign on not being confrontational enough with China, that gives a guy like Tom Cotton, who's been out in front and being the biggest dickbag of all on China, that gives him uh, way more political capital. Thanks a lot, Libs. One more thing back to these... uh real grassroots protests, and I'm using quotation marks so hard on my fingers that my knuckles are about to break, but uh, I see MSNBC reporting on these, sending a reporter out to cover these anti-quarantine protests. And of course, these are extremely dangerous places to be because you have a bunch of people huddled close together, not wearing masks because they don't believe that this is actually a problem right now. Uh, They're out protesting. And then you have a a reporter out there amidst them reporting it. And uh, yeah, she's wearing a mask, but the mask is not to protect her. It's to protect other people. So they're putting their reporters at risk to go cover this manufactured right wing, in many cases containing uh, Nazi and white supremacist iconography protests that where a couple hundred people are there couple hundred small business owners are there and and otherwise kind of uh, wealthy consumers who are pissed they can't go get their hair done and shit. It's terrible. Yeah, it really is. And I'm I'm really dreading the uh, the data from a few weeks about what kind of public health impact this is going to have on these communities where people are protesting because quite frankly, I don't give a shit if uh, if if, you know, fucking Karen loses her goddamn, you know, her her whatever store because she can't force her workers back to work. But if these people are getting other people sick in the community and, you know, that that's that's fucking that's just awful. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the top stories. It's Monday, April 20th, 2020. It's the ultimate 420. 420s everywhere. Here's the news. Congress is close to adding more than $300 billion to replenish the payment protection program, the so-called small business loan program created by last month's coronavirus bailout bill. The program was initially supplied with $349 billion, but it was drained in mere weeks. It became evident that the funds were in large measure going to companies that had already well-established ties to major banks and that were already well-capitalized that weren't really small businesses like Ruth Chris Steakhouses and hedge fund managers. In fact, after it was reported that burger chain Shake Shack got $10 million under the program, the company returned the money under public pressure saying eh, it could get the money elsewhere, it didn't really need it. 
And look, a Steak Shack burger is pretty exceptional. I'll give it that. But obviously, Steak Shack wasn't the only company collecting PPP funding that didn't really need it. So lawmakers are scrambling to fill up the funding again as 20 million people have lost their jobs in just the last few weeks. Of course, most of them won't be assisted by this program anymore. They'll have to rely on the $1,200 check, which, as the Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said, should last them about, I don't know, 10 weeks, (laughs) assuming they've gotten their check. Otherwise, they'll have to rely on expanded unemployment benefits, which are good, but Good luck getting through to state officials to file your claims. Under the new agreement, $310 billion would be added to the PPP, plus $100 billion more in aid to hospitals and more testing. Although the Washington Post is reporting that a debate over testing is holding up the bill right now as Democrats want the money tied to a national testing strategy, while Trump and the Republicans want it to be more of a state-based approach. Democrats tried to get more assistance to states in the New Deal, aid that could help states update their unemployment systems and handle the new load of demand, but they were denied. Republicans saying they'll include it in yet another relief bill down the road, a so-called CARES 2 Act, named after last month's CARES Act, the bill that created all of this. Now, specific to the Payment Protection Program, In this new deal, a portion of the funds are siphoned off exclusively for low-capital banks to loan to minority businesses in struggling areas, but there still aren't any new oversight mechanisms to keep some of the biggest companies in the country from feasting on it once again, a problem that has been well documented here in the first round of funding. So expect that it will again run out of money in like a month. Also, bosses can still pay themselves $100,000 under the program, and if they end up laying people off anyway, eh, it's only a 1% interest rate with deferred payment for six months. Even Republicans have criticized the program, even corrupt business-friendly Republicans, I should say, like Florida Senator Rick Scott, who said in a statement that he was, quote, concerned that many businesses with thousands of employees have found loopholes to qualify for these loans meant for small businesses. Unfortunately, when it comes to the PPP, millions of dollars are being wasted. Companies that are not being harmed at all by the coronavirus crisis have the ability to receive taxpayer-funded loans that can be forgiven. That's wrong, and it takes money out of the hands of those Americans who really need it, end quote. Could be awkward for the Florida Senate delegation, considering Marco Rubio is overseeing a lot of these uh, small business loans. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin defended the program over the weekend, claiming that most of the funds went to small businesses and that he heard personally from his local cleaners that they were pleased with how quickly they got the funds. So uh, millions of businesses couldn't get access to the funds, but Steve Mnuchin's local cleaners got their loan. I'm not saying that Steve Mnuchin might have, you know, moved the ball a little faster so that he wouldn't be inconvenienced by his local cleaner having to uh, shut down, but might be foyer bait. I don't know. Maybe Steve Mnuchin has a hedge fund guy waxes floors. He's got a private equities guy shining his shoes. Some food system news for you. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has approved six states for additional hunger relief authorized by the coronavirus sick leave bill, the so-called phase two of Congress's response to the crisis. Today, USDA announced it signed off on plans from Illinois and Arizona. 
The agency had already approved of applications from Michigan, Rhode Island, North Carolina, and Massachusetts. The program is designed to give additional benefits to food stamp recipients with kids because their kids would be getting free or discounted meals at school if schools didn't need to be shut down right now. USDA said Arizona has 604,000 children eligible for free or discounted lunches at school. Illinois has 1.1 million. These kinds of numbers from two states alone screams the question, why have only six states been approved so far? What's taking long with the other 44 states? Phase two was signed into law over a month ago on March 18th. In agricultural news, today immigration officials published emergency changes to the seasonal farm worker system, the so-called H-2A visa program. The Department of Homeland Security is allowing growers to get workers on the job as soon as the agency receives their H-2A applications. That is, if the workers already have H-2A status and they're already in the United States. Previously, DHS would only permit this expedited approval if employers were in good standing with E-Verify, the federal electronic system designed to crack down on undocumented workers. In today's filings, the agency praised growers who use the E-Verify system, but said temporary changes were needed, quote, to mitigate the impact on the agricultural industry due to COVID-19. Though growers' use of undocumented workers is often associated with exploitation, the H-2A program systematizes it. It kind of literally documents the exploitation. If an H-2A visa holder quits their job, their status expires and they're given a few days to leave the country, Their average national wage this year is $14 an hour for one of the most dangerous industries in the country. On top of this, farm workers' unions aren't given the meager protections that other workers receive. Farm unions aren't recognized under the National Labor Relations Act. Guess what we need to do is censored, redacted, and take back the land. It was one of the worst days ever for the oil trading markets. The U.S. oil benchmark price fell more than 300% this afternoon. Uh, Last I checked, it was more than negative $37 a barrel. This is something I've never seen before. Uh, Basically means that if you are holding a futures contract, an oil futures contract, and you're trying to sell it, uh, no one's paying for it. You have to pay someone $37 uh, to take it. Might be time to invest in oil depots, the District Sentinel Radio Oil Depot. Every oil invested in us is an oil not burned. Obviously, this is the lowest price West Texas intermediate crude futures markets have ever seen as the global pandemic grinds international economies to a halt and the demand for oil plummets. Suppliers are absolutely unable to restrict supply fast enough, creating a major economic crisis for oil storage within the country, causing the sharp decline in prices. At the beginning of the year, West Texas Intermediate was trading at $60. Now it's negative $37. Fueling the sharp decline is an upcoming deadline to uh, trade futures holdings in the commodity. People were holding expiring futures contracts, meaning they had to sell them today or take actual physical delivery of the oil. 
which many of them were just totally unequipped to do because they probably had little more space to store oil than their tight office in Manhattan or their beach house in the Hamptons. But this could be a sign of things to come as future contracts for other months begin to come due as well. Also, the international benchmark for oil, the Brent uh, crude price, uh, was down significantly today as well. The only thing uh, keeping the industry optimistic right now is just a rapid bounce back as economies are reopened. That's a big assumption that economies will be reopened anytime soon or that this pandemic will be uh, under control, at least here in the U.S. Um, the problem, larger problem here is current price levels and the current lack of demand for oil are, are exactly what's needed in order to make serious progress combating climate change, assuming there is a return to normal as oil companies are hoping it means right back on track to burning up the planet. And as we have said on our many content channels, both uh, Wall Street and the federal government are intent on helping those oil companies get right back on track. Uh, Wall Street preparing to take over and operate oil companies until the price of oil goes up. And the federal government is uh, offering to store oil, literally, uh, through the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, uh, which is, it, it, it's just very cool and funny um, <clears throat> to see all these heavily supported and subsidized industries. Uh, and then on the other hand, people are saying, oh, the Green New Deal, like, you, know, you can't do that. You know, the government can't pick winners and losers. And I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm feeling a bit like... Uh, uh, censored, redacted, Ted Kaczynski, something, something. I don't know. Guy had some good ideas. Well, wasn't wasn't he in quarantine for a while? <laughs> Finally, it's not looking good for city and county governments. Earlier this month, the Federal Reserve announced it would lend directly to them after first saying it would only try to help indirectly by buying local government bonds already owned by financial firms. But the restrictions on the direct lending program might be too onerous for wide swaths of the country. The Fed said it will help state governments and the government of Washington, D.C., but only cities with more than one million residents and counties with more than two million residents. Seven Democratic senators wrote to the agency late last week, noting this means only 10 cities and 15 counties are eligible for the money. The funds came from the $2.2 trillion coronavirus stimulus, so-called Phase 3 from Congress, or some of you might know it as the CARES Act, which Sam referenced in an earlier segment. Uh, apparently, we're going to have a CARES Act uh, version 2, which I think might be Phase 5 if it passes. I've, I'm starting to lose track of all these different phases and acts and stuff. Uh, but anyway... Yeah. Uh, the money came from the CARES Act. The $2.2 trillion came from the CARES Act. The Fed was given $500 billion for direct state and local government support. In their letter Friday, the Democratic senators said the population thresholds were, quote, arbitrary and unacceptable, and that Congress intended for the law to channel badly needed resources to state and local governments. 
The lawmakers warn that service cuts and higher taxes are likely coming and urge the Fed to change its eligibility requirements. Signatories of the letter were Chuck Schumer, Elizabeth Warren, Chris Van Hollen, Sherrod Brown, Tammy Baldwin, Gene Shaheen, and Kirsten Cinema. And that's going to do it for the newscast today. That music means it's time for the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel five bucks a month you get access to all our bonus content plus your own haiku written for you and read on the air this first one goes out to matt it's 420 so here's a weed haiku for you cough or don't get off thank you matt this is for floaties for robots joining the weirdos and protesting public health I want a damn Berg. I'm with you on that. Thank you for floaty. Thank you to floaties for robots, and thanks to all the new subscribers. Again, that's Patreon.com/slash/DistrictSentinel. Sam and I will be back with a brand new newscast tomorrow. We're here in DC, so you don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs>